Nailor's Natter, just talking to teachers with Teacher Hug Radio, the soundtrack to your teaching career. Nailor's Natter, just talking to teachers. Talking to teachers about academic research and evidence-based practice with continuing professional development at PNA1977 on Twitter. Nailor's Natter, just talking to teachers. Okay, hello Dave and welcome to Nailor's Natter. Hello there. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this. And just for listeners' benefit, I have been chasing Dave around. So poor Dave has been inundated with emails and all sorts from me over about six months saying, please, please, will you come on the show? And finally, listeners, we've got him. And it's going to be well worth it, I assure you. So I'm you know sure what? that I listeners... Want to, I want to address this situation. I, just, <laughs> I can't keep up. with like with, I don't know how people reply to everyone on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. So it's not deliberate. I'm a big fan, Phil. Big fan. <laughs> well and for listeners benefit i mean obviously i speak to a lot of people uh week in week out but i have actually met dave a couple of times and we have actually spoken in real life in person which is in real uh, life you know, do you remember those do, do, days how can i say that? do you remember that yeah we used to be yeah, able to go I remember to when conferences I was growing up and, I, and you could hug people and stuff like that god those are the days <laughs> felt they certainly were so but for those listeners who aren't aware of you and i'm sure that everybody is but just could you tell listeners a little bit about you and your journey to this point please dave uh how far back do you want me to go phil you know i do want the original version uh i i grew up in hartlepool in the northeast of england beautiful place uh i was deputy head of a big school over there moved over here for family reasons a bit of acting headship then then did five years as head of of, uh, school in hesham st peter's and then i'm five years on april fool's day into my headship at Flake Fleet Primary School, which one or two people may have seen us on Britain's Got Talent getting a bit carried away in the sequin lycra. <laughs> and that is definitely going to make part of tonight's uh, conversation. So talking about Flake Fleet, um, you've taken the school on a real journey since you said like 2016, uh, making real improvements in teaching, learning and assessments. So tell listeners a little bit about how you and your team went about doing that. Uh, do you know what? I think about that quite a lot, Phil, and and I think part of you know being being head teacher or leader or, or working in any school, you've kind of got to be responsive to what your community wants and needs, and, and what you know they don't always know what they want or what they need. So you've got to kind of figure that out, and you need to figure out what what works for your children because what works in one school doesn't necessarily work in another, and equally your staff. And, and I remember when I, I looked around. I genuinely feel I really, really fell in love with the place. Um, and when you look at it, you know, for anybody who's looked around for, for any job, you do that polite thing where you, you're very polite and say, oh, well, yeah, thank you so much. I'll, um, I'll get back to you. I'll let you know if I've got any questions or whatever. But I said there and then I, I'll apply and I, I really want to be the head. I just there's something about um, all the kids came up to me um, saying hello, you know, like a really lovely liveliness. Um, all the staff said hello, uh, introduced himself, and there was just a really lovely feel to the place. Um, and I, I, just, I don't know, I just had this feeling that I was going to feel really happy. And I don't know about you, Phil, but I'm, I'm sure you've worked in lots of different places. There's just some places that you just feel that you fit in. Have you ever had that? Well, well, yeah, and definitely feel that. And obviously, you know, <laughs> speaking for where I'm working at the moment, I absolutely feel like that. And I think obviously what's happened in the last year or so, which we don't want to dwell on too much, has helped kind of teams come even closer together, hasn't it? Having gone through yeah. sort of adversity together as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think pretty early on, what, what I seem to get quite a bit is um, I, I chat with, with parents. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite sociable. And, and I used to come across, you know, if somebody wanted to do something, um, a parent or anybody, they'd say, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm from Fleetwood. And I'm like, no, but you can do anything if you put your mind to it. And, and, and for some reason, I've grown up genuinely believing that that's the case. And I, I've never quite figured out why that is. Um, and, and as we started, you know, I started to get to know the, the, the kids in the community more, I realized that we just possibly, you know, we had a bit of an issue with people setting their aspirations a bit too low, um, that actually they were capable of, of so much more. Um, and, and really early on, we came up with this, with this idea of a dreams list where we, we wanted to encourage the children to uh, dream. That's kind of our motto now. Um, and we kind of, for a long time, we told them and we, we you know, we, we te- tell them stories in assembly and PSA chief about inspirational people. And, and we came up with this idea, well, actually, let's show them. Um, and we, we came up with every, every child had a dream on the list. Um, we never got, quite got through all of them. Some children, they just wanted to be, not, not just, but they wanted to be an archaeologist or they wanted to feed the homeless or they wanted to grow their own fruit. You know, there, there was all sorts of, from the, the very small and really easy to make happen, all the way through to the more ridiculous ones. One of them, um, Hannah, wanted to be a pop star. Um, and, and she said in assembly, I, I really want to be a pop star. And, and, all, and over a couple of weeks, we, we kept going back. It was always the staff room when we were having a brew. And we kept saying, you know, could could we go? Could we release a single? And and as the weeks went on, it was like, should, should, should we go for Christmas number one? And and week by week, we're like, right, well, we could write the song. All right, so we need to find somebody to to do the music. We need somebody to produce it. And we broke it down. It's, you know, it was a bit obsessional. We we literally broke it down into this minute detailed plan. And and eventually, we we ended up having a run at Christmas number one. We we were third favorite. Um, we weren't really getting anywhere. So then we, we came up with the idea of, of gate crashing Radio 2. Uh, one Sunday, we, we uh, sent an email out to staff saying, can I pinch some of your kids? You, um, and we dressed up as elves, gate crashed uh, Radio 2, ended up on Radio 2 one morning with Chris Evans. And then somebody offered us a, a battle bus and we travelled around the northeast, <laughs> handing out flies and visiting schools. And then we did the same in Liverpool and Manchester. And then we did the same down London. And, and also all these crazy things happened. And bit by bit, over that December, people started to take it seriously. And the parents are like, yeah, yeah, we, we can do this. And that, that for me was all about increasing aspirations That you know, for that crazy December in 2018. We genuinely thought that we might be Christmas number one. I think we were like four to one third favorite at one point and, and th- then it snowballed into we applied for britain's got talent um stupid daft application didn't think anything would come of it and then we ended up on there and, and, and all sorts of ha- things have happened now where we genuinely believe that if we put our mind to it you know we, we're brave enough to to dare to dream but to also to dare to fail and and that that's that's become our culture now nothing is off the table we you know not no idea is too daft no idea is too big and, and that's kind of why we've ended up where where we've ended up i don't know it's late in the day phil that's kind of an abridged version of, of of how we ended up where we are i guess 
No, and it's a brilliant story, and there's so much to unpick as we go through on all those different things. And the first thing I'm going to talk about, Dave, if we can, is obviously when I um, first met you, it was when I were at a conference, and you were talking about how you'd used social media. Now, obviously, you know, uh, I'm getting old, and, and memory plays tricks, but I'm sure you were talking about how you use social media to engage with parents, and I'm sure yeah. you were relaying a story of even, you know, in your pyjamas or, your, you know, your Christmas pyjamas coming into school on Christmas Day and doing um, a Facebook Live or a Facebook video for parents. So you work, I mean, it's a beautiful part of the world where you work, but, you know, you do work in quite a disadvantaged area, you know, in, in communities yeah, yeah. there. So tell us a little bit about how you've interacted with parents and, and families and why you've decided to go down the route of social media, you know, which sometimes schools kind of shy away from. Yeah, you know, for, for it's... Do you know, it's, it's funny, I remember introducing it at St. Peter's and at Flake Fleet, and there, there was a massive degree of apprehension with setting up a school Facebook page because the reality is social media gets a bit of a bad press, you know, in schools. But the reality is, if you manage it properly, carefully, I guess, and you think through the things that you put on there, it really can be the most powerful voice that you have as a school, the most powerful way of, of influencing change and encouraging that sense of belonging, that sense of community. And, and there is, you know, it works for me. I clearly love the whole, you know, dressing up in like we're going on tally and doing radio. So I clearly love it, but it's a really, it's a brilliant opportunity to, you know, to, to convince and, and influence people to try and do things a little bit differently. Um, when we put stuff on social media, it's only ever positive. I, I don't believe I've ever put anything on there. You know, can you turn up on time? Can you wear uniform? Can you stop doing this? That's not what it's about. Our, our social media is just a positive place for making people smile or maybe inspiring people to do things differently, maybe to question how they do things. Um, and the way that I see it, and, and this, this, this applies to, I reckon, pretty much every school, there's such beautiful joyous happy lovely places um you know the people that go into it they just love kids they want to make a difference and most of you know the amount of times that our parents they don't really know what goes on in schools they don't they don't see that for themselves so to have that opportunity to have that that voice and, and show them the things that we're doing and, and how happy that you know I, I i don't know how many parents out there the children come home and say oh, have you had a good day yeah what have you done nothing Whereas the reality is we can put on Facebook, well, we've been doing this and, and we've been doing that. And and it's pretty, it's where our parents are. The reality is Twitter, I, I don't feel like our parents are really on Twitter. That feels a little bit more, lots of, you know, things that I'm interested in, other education professional, which is brilliant for professional development. Bit of a darker place at times, I think. Um, but Facebook's where our parents are. And, and I often draw the analogy of it's a little bit like putting. I can put stuff on our website, but the reality is not very many people go on there. Um, and that, that's a little bit like you, the postman's been, you've got a parcel you weren't in, so you've got to go to the sorting office to, to pick it up again. Whereas the reality is Facebook, it knocks on your door, it, it hands you the things that are going on. And there's, you know, the less steps that you have in place for parents to see what's, you know, to, to get involved in school, the, the better. And, and slowly but surely, I, I feel like we've, we've built up this sense of community and belonging. People know what we're about. And, it, and it's ended up not just being Fleetwood and our little part of the world, but, you know, there's 25,000 people on there that hopefully see what a, a lovely place school is and, and what schools are. 
They absolutely do. And obviously the influence that you've had um, has kind of moved through to other schools. And if you think now that obviously we've been out of school, well, obviously, no, we haven't, David. We've all been in school, but obviously schools haven't been fully open. Um, lots of communication has been through social media. And I know a lot of schools and ourselves included have done things like, you know, um, drop-ins and Zoom uh, conferences and calls with parents and, you know, opportunity forums. And, and like you said, it's been overwhelmingly positive because you've kind of, you know, drawn the curtain back and opened the door and said, come and have a look at what we're doing. Yeah. Come and talk to us about it. Totally agree. Totally, totally agree. Um, you know, they the realise that we're just humans, aren't we? We're just normal people. Um, you know, we've got our bad labels as teachers, our head teachers or whatever. But there's something about when, particularly when you go live and you can, they can ask questions and you, you can have that bit of, you know, the bit, the, the bit of interaction with them. The reality is for our children and, and, and adults, it's the last year has been, it's, in many ways, just been boring, monotonous. Every day is the same, no interaction with anybody outside your little bubble and things. And, and for some people, you know, if it just made a couple of people smile, then we've made the world a tiny bit of a better place. You know, e even things like um, I have done a, a bedtime story in my dressing gown um, or I've done it with the children. You know, I've got three kids, two very young, you know, causing absolute havoc and being a nightmare in the background. But even that, hopefully, I, you know, the parents see me for I'm just, a per you know, a normal person like them and having a bit of a glimpse in, into our world means that, uh, hopefully I'm a bit more approachable, you know, that when we need to have a bit more of a difficult conversation to realise that I'm all right, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Definitely know what you mean. And obviously you put me at ease in the beginning of this conversation by pretending to throw a glass of water over before we came live. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, so that was, I feel much more relaxed. pretending, Phil. I'd like to say <laughs> I'm that, that, you know, that I'm that kind, but yeah, that, that was deliberate. I think that was the pre-match pre nerves kicking in. <laughs> give over okay so we've talked a bit about you obviously britain's got talent but we're just going to kind of set that up because you've done a few other things and you mentioned that you did you know the single that you did for christmas number one but also you know you came to prominence um through tv appearances nailers natter just talking to teachers join in the conversation on hashtag teacher hug radio or call the show on 0800 246 1555 the Royal Wedding came about where we we kind of had a conversation that we don't really celebrate royal weddings and you know, lots of things that maybe we celebrated when we were younger. Um, and we thought, you know, we're going to use this as an opportunity to, to have a bit of a party, I guess. And it started off, right, we'll, we'll have a, a little Harry, you know, a little Meghan in the hall. And then we thought, well, shall we go over to the church? Let's actually go over to the church. And, and then it was, shall we dress up? And then, and then bit by bit, we started, you know, asking for favours. So we, we got in touch with um, Arfield, so Moss Bros, um, on, um, on, on in Fleetwood. Um, and they donated a couple hundred quid's worth of actual royal, you know, uh, wedding outfits for the kids. So we, they were all dolled up in beautiful wedding gowns. Then, then a, a, a very kind family member sponsored bridal gowns, bridal, you know, bridal dresses and bridesmaids and things for, for the kids. Then, um, then somebody sponsored some some horse drawn carriages, and then one of the kids threw out. They were like, "Can we have a helicopter with the press flying around overhead?" I was like, "No, we can't. We we oh, okay, maybe we could." Because the reality is, most things when you put your mind to it, you can get your way around. And the reality was, we ended up having a, a raffle where the kids could buy a ticket, and and eventually, when we would raise enough money to pay for the helicopter. They, we picked out three kids and they got to go in the helicopter and an adult 
could could bid a member of staff could could you know the high auctioned it off to join them um and and bit by bit people you know people sponsored the flowers uh, and eventually we ended up having the, this most ridiculous what it felt like an actual wedding and what was hilarious we we had we did it twice one for the key stage one but one for key stage two we had a, a breakfast with a, a lovely meal um and we just we just sent the, the reality was we sent a couple of cheeky messages to the local newspaper and, and they all bought into it um, it was very topical we just got lucky um and, and a lot of the tv appearances after that the reality is between you and i phil the media is lazy when they got your contact details they just keep getting back in touch with you um and and it, we ended up having this beautiful massive royal wedding that was in all the papers um and, and that was kind of the first big thing that we ever did and, and and what we kind of learned from that is when you do something do it properly um and there's lots and lots of kind, decent, generous people out there who want to get involved when you're doing something nice for the children, when, when you're doing something to support the community. Um, Andy Smart, what a guy, uh, Fleetwood Block. They literally, we had, we had a pallet full of Union Jack bunting and flags, and we had hundreds of parents lying in the streets. We stopped the traffic. It was just amazing. And, and, and the other part of that, because there's a method in the madness, I want children to enjoy coming to school. I want them to be proud of the school. I want them to look back on the school time and, and think, oh, do you know what? That was brilliant. Because when you're, ha- when you're proud of your school, when you feel like you're part of it, then that, that's, for me, when the really special things happen in, in schools um, and, and the parents get it. When they see the effort that you're going to to give their children that one special day, you know, it's pretty easy to have the, the more difficult conversations because of what you've, what you've done previously for them. Definitely. And in terms of uh, the media, they keep coming back to you, Dave, because it's great. I mean, I'm sitting here now thinking, what can I do tomorrow? I mean, I'm inspired and we're only kind of halfway through the questions. So, I mean, that's why the media keep coming back, because it is. It's inspiring to listen to you speak. Uh, I, um, I, I really appreciate that, Phil, because you do get, you know, I'm not going to lie that I do get paranoid that we look fame hunting and attention seeking. The reality is it works for us. Um, you know, I've worked in some schools. It just, it just wouldn't be what we're about. But it might be that other schools that do the history brilliant, or the geography, or the science, or you know, they're going to change the world from a climate point of view, or they're going to represent LGBT. Every school has something unique, and the way that I see it is, we can change the world. We must, you know, we must stop that mentality of oh, you know, you're not going to change the world. It's just one person. Because actually, bit by bit, you can, you really, really can. If you're going to do something, really go for it. Definitely. And if anybody that does think that, and I'm sure there aren't people who do that, then they need to, to go on your Facebook page and, and watch you, like you said, read stories in your dressing gown or go and open Christmas presents on Christmas Day and feel the warmth, you know, from the kids and the, the parents and the community of your school and will know that you're absolutely doing this for the right reasons. So, you know, hats off to you. Right, let's get on to the next bit. So obviously people know you for a lot of things, but I suppose Britain's Got Talent is the, the biggest of those. So you've kind of started off with the story a little bit about that, but Tell us a little bit about how you got it started and you've, you've kind of alluded to, but a bit more detail maybe on your reasons for entering. Yeah, it, it, it was just luck, Phil. It, there was just a lot of good fun. I mean, we made it. You, I do genuinely believe you make your own luck. Um, we, we, we applied, um, sent a, you know, there wasn't really much to the application. Um, my gut feeling is they'd seen the, the Christmas stuff um, and they said we could have an audition. Um, the parents... Um, a lot of them went and got emergency birth because they couldn't find them in Blackpool. And we started coming up with ideas. And, and on the day of the, the very first, well, going back to the auditions, like within school, 
the reality is when we found out that we had a, an audition, um, we've got the choir together, 20 or so of them. And we're like, right, guys, guys, well, you're going to jump out of bins and, and you're going to do stupid stuff. And they looked at me as if to say, Mr. McPartner, are you for real? And they, they just they, they just weren't, excuse me, Phil, they, they just weren't up for it. So we hatched a plan that we needed another 30 kids and we auditioned them over half an hour. Took a member of staff, um, went to, started at reception. Uh, no, did I start? Yeah, I did start at reception. Started at reception, just said, who, who do you want to be in Britain's Got Talent? You need to stand up, show us your best dance moves. And, and if you're good enough, we'll put you on the list. And, and literally, we did that a couple of minutes, every single class, 14 classes later, we had a list of the liveliest children in the entire school. All the kids who just were quite happy, throwing themselves around, being daft. And we had this weird group of 20 relatively quiet, not to stereotype, quite traditional choir members. And then the raucous rebels the other 30 and and you know and that that's how it was born we came up with uh with with don't stop me now we started practicing and then actually britain's got talent sacked us off um not many people know that they actually rang us to say we're really sorry but the standard acquires is very high this year and we're not going to be progressing in the application and i was like alan no 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 honestly alan this, this, this we're not your normal choir because we we'd applied as a choir so that afternoon Again, me and another member of staff, we got some council wheelie bins. We went over to the local care home. We dressed up. We jumped out of bins in the in the dance studio at school. And we knocked up this, this Kylie Minogue dancing video. Um, I went home that night, cross-dressed as a woman in, in lycra with a wig and stuff, did something daft. And I sent it off the next day with a nice message. Not Didn't think I'd ever hear from them. And then, and then sure enough, they, they got back to us, said, you know what? We love it. Go on, you can have an audition. Um, and then they just completely left us to our own devices. We literally, the only thing that they had any sort of input over was um, they wanted to see the costumes so that we didn't infringe upon copyright. So things like the, the 118 lads at the front, I think they had 64 or some random numbers or whatever. Um, and, and we just, we, we practiced and practiced and practiced. We couldn't have an audience in there in the dance because the, the, the stage floor at the Lowry is absolutely huge. So we, we practiced and then it was, the audition was on the Thursday and, and on the Monday, well, the week before we'd persuaded Blackpool um, Opera House to, to let us go and practice on the stage to try and make it as real as possible. And we started to freak out that we weren't ready. And, and on the dinner time of the Monday, the staff who were involved and in it got together and said, you know what, we're not sure we can go ahead with this. Because if you can imagine, Phil, if you fail, you're failing on national television, you know, 50 cameras, 1,500 people in the audience watching you, and we, ju we, we just weren't ready. You know, so again, just like we could have gave up at the, the initial knockback, we, we said, right, you know, we're just going to have to really hammer it solidly for another two days. And unfortunately, Anthony at the Winter Gardens said, you know what, we'll open up the Winter Gardens. It was closed for maintenance. And we had another two days. So we practiced solidly for this four-minute performance, solidly for three days. And, and the reality was, at the end of the third day, we'd not done one run-through where it didn't go wrong. And in the last practice, I literally went flying uh, flying over, face-planted the floor. The, the car was put to me the wrong direction. And can you imagine the night before, um, you, you go into bed and I literally, I, I just said to me the half said, am I going to disgrace myself here? You know, it's not normal for a head teacher to strip off to sequin like or six foot from Simon Cowell. Um, and, 
you know, I went to bed. Terror. The other thing, Phil, was my dad had got in my head a couple of days prior. I'd showed him a, a rehearsals video, and he was like, son, I, I don't get it. He said, I like the kids, but I think you're going to be one of those acts where he said, the kids are great, but lose the adult. And he genuinely tried to convince myself, you know, convince me that I shouldn't do it. So we went into to the Thursday. We, we just, you know, we'd knocked up all the costumes ourselves that, that we'd, we'd raised money, we'd made them. You know, we had parents coming in and sewing like a little sweatshop for, for a couple of weeks. Um, and we rocked up at the Lowry. It was lashing it down. It was windy. My hair was all over the shop. The makeup was running. The, the cardboard was, was soggy. And we go into the, the Lowry and there's just these glamorous dancers in the sequins and beautiful makeup and hair and everything. And the kids, they just, you know, they win all. They, they couldn't get their head around that Britain's Got Talent. We were literally, you know, we had backstage access and things. Um, and for us, it, it was about, sorry, I'm, I'm completely ranting on here, aren't I, Phil? No, no, listen, I'm captivated because, sorry. let me just tell you this. So yeah. obviously the listeners will be interested in the story anyway, but I mean, this this brings it home in terms of, you know, everyday life. So I've just been on FaceTime with my daughter because she comes at the weekends and, you know, I'll see her then. And I said, you'll never guess who I'm talking to tonight. And she's like, who, who, who? And I said, do you remember Britain's Got Talent? And do you remember that head teacher? And do you remember that? She's like, no, 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 no. She was so excited. She wanted me to find out everything about that because, you know, we we absolutely were rooting for you because, you know, we, we live around in the area, you know, we we knew of the school and we knew of the kids and the kind of kids that were on there. And we were so happy about it. So, no, you you carry on. I'm listening to all of this and reminiscing. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm really indulging myself here because it's still the most incomprehensible moment of all of our lives. So we rock up at the Larry. You've literally, they've not told us whether they like it, whether they think it's good, whether it's funny. You know, you go into it worrying, are we going to be that act that people laugh at? You know, where you're kind of laughing at them, not with them. But we thought it was good. So we, we you know, we stood backstage talking to Ant and Deck. You can, you know, you can see 1,500 people. And honestly, Phil, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. You have no idea who's going to talk to you, you know, which judge, what they're going to ask you. And you've got to make it up on the spot with, you know, all these cameras everywhere. And so you, you go on, they ask you the questions and I'm thinking, oh God, I've got to go, I've got to go and dance now. I'm not a dancer, I can't sing. And, you know, we, we're not professionals, but let's give it a go. And the reality was we'd won. At that point, Phil, if you'd stopped, we'd won just getting on the stage, never mind what was to come. So like 30 seconds in, I'm looking up and, and everyone's on their feet and everyone's clapping and the judges seem to be smiling. It's like, oh, this is great. This is, this is, you know, we're having this most amazing experience, like a memory we'll never, ever forget. And you get to the end and we're just made up. We've got through it. We've not fallen over. We've not done anything wrong. In many ways, that's it. We've won the World Cup. If you stop it right now, it's the best moment of my entire life. And then the next thing you know, they start crying and, and we'd never had an audience. I, I couldn't, I just couldn't get it. I didn't understand. Why is everyone crying? Like, this is weird. And then they start chanting, press the gold. And I'd been, I've, I've been to see Britain's Got Talent filmed a couple of times. You know, I, I love the show. And I'm just thinking, God, this is amazing. You know, the crowd, like we had a standing ovation. You know, we'll, we'll hopefully be the one at the end of the show. And, and, and you know, this is it. This is the end of it. But this, this is amazing. You know, stop right now. This is incredible. And the chanting, and the, it's getting louder. And then Simon says nice stuff, at which point I go to pieces. And and then, the, then then he leans over and presses the golden buzzer. And it's just, it's all too much, Phil. You know, we've got 50 kids. We're, we're 50, 60% free school meals. Half of these kids are on free school meals. We're just a normal school and we've got a golden buzzer. And then, you know, and for days, it was like being hung over. You know, you, you, you can't comprehend 
like you're going down to London in a, in a couple of weeks' time to, to, to the live shows. Um, and it, it was just phenomenal. But what does that say to those kids? You know, literally, dare to dream. Nailers, natter, just talking to teachers. Join in the conversation on hashtag Teacher Hug Radio or call the show on 0800 246 1555. Dare to fail. We put ourselves out there. We could have been laughed at. We could have been absolutely horrendous. We could have fallen over on national telly, but we didn't. And the reality is there's so many other choirs out there that are way more talented than, than us. But it worked because we were just enthusiastic. I use that line on the day. Um, we just we were there to have a bit of fun. We were just having an experience, and and the rest, goodness me, was the most ridiculous bonus. Um, and, and and from then, you know, life was absolutely crazy. We ended up on all sorts of programs. Um, and and the best thing about it all, Phil, which which lots of people don't know, is our parents. You know, bearing in mind, and I'm not being derogatory, but lots, you know, some of our parents really don't have very much, and we got six nights all-inclusive, all expenses paid in a four or five-star hotel in central London with the other acts and the crew. You know, we had this most amazing advert. You know, it was proper nativity stuff. Um, it was just incredible, you know, and, and to see the faces, you know, they, they ended up, you know, going on tours of London. And, and for those 50 kids and the parents, our lives have never been the same since. You know, we can go through the toughest of times when life's all getting feeling a little bit much, which we all have, and we can go on YouTube and we can watch, you know, watch that golden buzzer moment. The, the semi-final final was cool, but it would never, it was never going to beat the golden buzzer. It was just, it was just an amazing experience, and that that's just what I want our kids to to grow up through life, genuinely believing. You know, we can teach, you know, we can tell them to dare to dream, or we can show them. And the reality is. Most things, when you break them down to it, you can actually get a lot closer to what you set out to than than you ever dreamt, I guess. Definitely. And that, that's what you brought to it. And I mean, for those of you who are listening, who watched it on the TV, I mean, you could feel it through the television. I mean, goodness knows it must have been electric to be on the stage and doing it or to be in the audience and watching it, but even sat at home because we didn't know, obviously, you know, you'd had to keep it quiet hadn't you? and nobody yeah, yeah, told yeah. anybody, nobody knew. So obviously everybody in the local area was rooting for you, but nobody had any idea of what was to come. And you know, the hairs in the back of the neck, and I've not got many Davis listeners will know, <laughs> but you know, they're even standing up there just, just thinking about it. And that's from me watching it through the television because you could see you know in your eyes and those children's eyes about what it meant to be up there in the first place and you said about you know the enthusiasm of it and it really radiated through the screen it really yeah, did. Just, honestly I, I i'm not gonna lie phil i talk about it every single day because i just it, i mean that that's where it was it's like winning the lottery you know fair enough we put ourselves out there we took a chance but there is an element you know i feel i, I don't use the phrase very often i feel i, I genuinely feel blessed and so fortunate to have had this most incredible experience. But for those children, you know, there are some of those kids where I don't think their mum would mind me even naming it, but I won't. You know, they had significant, you know, some of those kids had been excluded from other places. Um, you know, that the, their life hadn't been great. And now some of them, you look at them and they've just had that little moment, that little something that their self-esteem, their self-confidence flourished their, their parents looked at them in a different way. You know, they they, they could tell all the all their families and friends that, that you know that the child was a golden buzzer, and and now when we we decide that we want to do something, literally, and I'm really not exaggerating, nothing is off the table. 
you know, so it's like a Christmas. I don't know if you saw it, but we did a nativity um, where we we wanted, you know, we wanted to write our own COVID nativity. And it was like, right, can we write our own one? Yeah, okay, we'll do that. How would we film it? Right, we'll do that. Um, well, you know, th- then it was like, well, can we get some celebrities involved? How how would you involve them? And the next thing you know, you end up with a nativity that, you know, it nearly, between between you and I, it, it nearly ended up on ITV. We literally wrote it all ourselves, found somebody to film it for us. And then we had Piers and Susanna, Phil and Holly, you know, literally, we must have tried. Every, I think everyone thinks we've got this massive list of contacts in our little black book. And the reality is, it's been, you know, being creative, thinking, you know, you, you've tried contacting that agent. So let's try somebody else. Let's try a producer. Let's try a director. And, and, and eventually, after a couple of weeks of trying, we had all these people in this ridiculous all-star nativity. But, you know, that that for us is, is again, showing our kids, you know, some of those kids, they were in their little TV show. Um, I don't know. It's just anybody listening, Phil, you know, we've all got ambitions and dreams. And I just think we filter them. You know, we've got this filter, the money filter. Can we afford it? The family filter, you know, do they think it's a good idea? The, you know, friend filter, are they going to take the mick out of us? Um, the, the failure filter, we're worried about getting it wrong and embar- embarrassing ourselves. But whenever we take that smallest step to achieving our goals and our dreams, we feel good about ourselves, Phil, don't we? You know, you actually feel like you're you're grabbing life by the you-know-whats and, and giving it a go. And the, even if you don't get there, I think you feel really proud for trying. And, and again, that that's what I want our kids and community to do. Yeah, and it's good that you mentioned that. So, you know, your Flake Fleet Nativity, and arguably, though, the most star-studded school nativity play ever. Uh, and that was no Zoom at the end, wasn't it? That was the one. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was tremendous. I mean, everyone can get that one as well um, and have a look at that after they've, of course, finished watching uh, Britain's Got Talent and uh, reliving that one. So the next thing was going to be, what has been the effect of all this? You've mentioned it about the kids, but in terms of your staff, your team, all in the school, what's been the effect on think, them of all these projects? I think um, the, the sense of community um, and, and that sense of belonging, it's, it's not something that we, we talk about hugely. I think it's be, we, we talk about it a lot more through COVID and, and, and as we go into post-COVID, hopefully, um, but that sense of, you know, when we, we do a daft little video, you know, like some of the daft videos where we, we're wheeling around the school on, on wheelie chairs, you know, that had a couple of minutes. The reality is it, it, we all love, I think most of us enjoy an excuse to be daft. And it just gives us an excuse to do daft things, to get together as a team. Um, and, and when you release videos, the reality, it's like a bit like giving birth. And sometimes the videos fly and people love them. And sometimes they're all right, but it's quite nice. You know, there's something enriching and, and rewarding about being creative. Um, I, I've talked about the, the whole idea that the high expectations, you know, mantra and skills, you're going to do something, do it properly. Nothing's off the table. That sense of self-efficacy through everyone. Self-efficacy. We talk about um, growth mindset, but for me, it's all about self-efficacy. The idea that if you put your mind to something, you can achieve it. That absolutely radiates and permeates the, the entire school um, I think I think everyone's proud of the school. You know, we've got, we've got our own merchandise and stuff these days, Phil. You know, we've got Dare to Dream hoodies. And, and, and the fact that people, you know, our parents still wear them out on the estate and out in Fleetwood makes me smile. Because they're proud to, you know, they're proud to, to have the kids at the school. They're proud to be part of the, the school. I hope that sounded right. No, it um, does sound right. And we, we love a bit of merchandise, you know, shameless plug for all <laughs> for all merchandise line. But, you know, absolutely. We're all about that. Um, but that that is, you know, when I talk about merchandise, you know, it's almost like I, I, I've got a big thing about uniform at the minute. 
our uniform should be almost, you know, you know how like if you're a Man United fan, you want to wear your Man United team colours. That's I kind of want to engender that feeling within your families, within your community, that, you know, when you wear the Flake Fleet jumper, that you're proud to wear it, that you're proud of what it says, if it represents who you are. It sounds really daft, but I just wish we looked at uniform like you would football gear or sportswear rather than, you know, relatively formal, serious, traditional uniform that's not changed or, you know, probably for decades in, in some cases. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think some of the things we do, it's just nice to have a bit of fun. It's nice to make some memories. Kids should look back on the time and think, you know what, I love my school. Um, and, and actually, it's stuff I've already said that it shows that we don't take ourselves too seriously, that we would like to have a bit of fun. We're approachable. Um, you know, lots of people didn't and some people didn't enjoy the time at school. It was very, you know, institutional and, and serious and the, the teachers were scary. That's not what schools are like. And, and doing some of the things that we do should, you know, makes that really, really clear to parents. Absolutely. And, and we're with you, Dave, as well. I mean, I mentioned it on last week's show. You know, you're talking to the people that in, in that, I'm sure they won't mind me saying this at school. You know, in our SLT uh, behaviour office, we have a record player, a vinyl suite, um, we we have often have jazz or music pumping down the corridors. So you know we're we're with you. We enjoy being in school. I, we enjoy I being in work. Go with this. We're on the oh, same page, Phil. Definitely, definitely. So talking. So I'm looking. I'm fishing here for for exclusives. But uh, have you got any plans for the next big project, Dave? And could you share it with <laughs> us? Well, well, Phil. Um, I don't know. Start planning for Christmas already. Um, got got one or two ideas for Christmas. Do, do you know what the reality is, Phil? I have loads of ideas, and most of them never see the light of day. You know, the amount of emails that you know, speculative, cheeky emails that I send, or phone calls, or, or favors I tried to call in. Most of them come to absolutely nothing. But but the reality is, rejection's so much easier at, after the hundredth time. Um, so yeah, th- thinking about one or two things. Um. For, for Christmas, I'd like to do more live stuff, Phil, with the, with the kids and kids from our school and kids from other schools and st- you know, like a quiz our staff first, other stuff. The reality is, I don't know, Phil. It'll be it'll happen over a brew in the staff room where one of us will go, Jack, and we could do this, and I'll be like, Yeah, maybe we could, and then we keep coming back to it. And, and the ones that we keep coming back to, the ones that we do, but it, some of them we we come up with ideas. You know, we had ideas for the, the reopening. I really wanted stilt walkers and fire eaters on the playground on Monday. You know, you know, like a circus. Um, you know, that wasn't for social media, but I just want the kids to have this cool experience. Um, but yeah, most of the ideas don't see the light of day, Phil. Well, I can't wait for them when they do. I'm really looking forward <laughs> to that. Right, Dave. Now, if this is okay, so obviously we've been doing this for a few weeks now, and um, I keep saying this just in case anyone investigates, we do have a music license, so I am allowed to play. Uh, I haven't got the premium music license, so we can't play the full track, but we can give listeners a bit of a snippet. But I think that, you know, yeah, you like music, uh, we like music, and I think it says a lot about people in terms of, you know, how they use music in, in their lives and how it kind of reminds them of, you know, maybe their journey or inspiration or whatever it might be. So I've had lots of choices on here. You know, I've had everything from sort of Rocky Four's training theme to uh, some obscure jazz records. So we're going to go into the vinyl suite now, as I mentioned before, and talk about three tracks that say something about you and about your work. Now, Nailers Natter, just talking to teachers. 
Join in the conversation on hashtag Teacher Hug Radio or call the show on 0800 246 1555. I'd be, I'd be staggered and surprised if Don't Stop Me Now by Queen doesn't feature, but do you want to share with us your first choice for the vinyl suite? Yeah, I've got to go with Don't Stop Me Now. Can we just get that obvious one out of the way? I still cry quite a lot. It just says so much. Um, you know, it, it's just the most special track now. So I've got to go with Don't Stop Me Now, Phil. Don't stop me now. I'm having such a good time. I'm having a ball. Don't stop me now. If you want to have a good time, just give me a call. Don't stop me now. I'm having a good time. Don't stop me yeah, now. Having a good time. I don't Absolutely. Well, yeah, I can't. I mean, I'm a big Queen fan as well. So, you know, that that's a that's a great record. Absolutely. So what about the second one then, Dave? Tell us about that one. Do you know, um, this one, um, it, it, I just, I, well, I heard it. Um, did you used to watch Lost? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There was, there was a scene in Lost where there was music playing out of a radio, I think, or something. And it was Mama Cass, make your own kind of music. And do you know, um, Paloma Faith's covered it fairly recently. And I just, the line is you've got to make your own kind of music, even if no one else sings along. just love it phil i just love it you know you've got to do what feels right to you or what you enjoy you know i don't subscribe to that you know boys should like this girls should like that school should do this school shouldn't do that i just love when you listen to the words it feels a little bit what flake fleet's about for me and what school should be about make your own kind of music even if no one else sings along that would be my second choice so into the third and final choice now we've had two crackers so far so we've had obviously don't stop me now uh, and we've just heard Make Your Own Kind of Music. So what's the third one going to be, Dave? Properly, properly agonised over this one, Phil. Um, and I'm going to go for a really, really random choice, but I just love it. Uh, you heard of Mark Knopfler? Certainly have. I just love going home. It's the it's the theme. I'm not a Newcastle fan, um, but it's just, I just love it. It's theme of the local hero um it's just it's like you, you t- if you turn it up loud it's just really rousing um and it just does something to me I love it. I love it. Well, no, it doesn't. It doesn't sound weird at all. And I was just going to hum along to it. That I thought, no, that's probably not what listeners need me to be doing right now. <laughs> Do it. 
but you know, we'll, we'll get into sharing stories. So um, I, here he goes again, mentions own career again on right. podcast. But you know, when I used to work in football, as I have mentioned pretty much every week, all the time, um, and I managed to finally secure my uh, A license again, mentions every week, but I was taken up um, to Newcastle and um, to watch Newcastle's first team and actually get involved kind of behind the scenes with someone that I was working with at the time. But to stand at St. James's when they do play that, I mean, that's something else, Dave. To oh. hear that when they're coming out is is unbelievable. And I don't know what the capacity is, 60,000 yeah. people, and that it's blaring out really. something else. It's yeah, it's just it just music does something to you. And that that do you know what that brings that sound that was, you know, the, the line I used, reading and writing's important to school, but the kids want other stuff, and, and you don't have to be brilliantly talented at anything. It's just stuff that makes you feel good or you know, stirs something deep within you. And and that song, music does that to you, doesn't it? Um, music really does that to you. Well, definitely. And that's part of the reason, because we're always looking to try and move things on on the podcast and train, you know, because there are, there's a lot of people doing a lot of great work around podcasts, but, you know, things have become perhaps a little bit formulaic, you know, have conversation, talk about it, play a jingle. And I thought, well, we'll, we'll do something a bit different. And it's been really eye-opening to speak to people about what kind of things to listen to and what conversations you get into from that. You know, when yeah, you're having yeah, conversations, you, you can see it people's influences we don't do it though do we phil you know you, you wouldn't sit in, in the staff room very often we do to be honest now and again but you wouldn't go out what, what's your favorite song you know we actually i don't know we, it's just funny almost you can't we, we lose something as we grow up there's something to be said about being a bit more childlike i think nailers natter just talking to teachers Nailos natter just talking to teachers with teacher hug radio the soundtrack to your teaching career. Well, you don't have to say that to us in our office. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, well, that, that's what's happened with the record player because, you know, students will come past down the corridor and they're intrigued. You know, they wonder why we've got, you know, whatever it might be. So I think it, today it was Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. You know, why, why is that playing? Why are you playing that? How does that work? Well, they've never seen a record player before. And then you get staff coming in and having a conversation about it and then saying, oh, what do you like? And you, you get some really sort of obscure choices from people and you get into I conversations, don't you? I love the fact that's actual vinyl. That's cool, isn't it? Oh, it's actual vinyl. And, and it, <laughs> why am I saying this on a on a radio station and on a podcast? But we've got you know we've got a small we've got a little bit of coffee machine going on in there as well. We've got you know we've got some vinyl records up on the wall. It's you know it's a full vinyl suite and cafe. Well, can I can I come and have a brew post COVID? Oh, absolutely. Come on down. I'd really enjoy it. Well, you would. You'd love it in the vinyl suite. You absolutely would. And we would love to have you in there. Definitely. Yeah, it's, nice, it's nice to get out and, and catch up with like-minded people, isn't it? I'm missing oh, yeah. that, really. That's why stuff like this is brilliant. I just, I miss talking to people. You know, well, that's another thing, Dave. And I said this to, I was talking last week um, to a guest about this. And we're just saying, you know, there's, there's been, you know, there's lots and lots of positives. And all the positives on Twitter will far outweigh the negatives. But you know, somebody put something on about um, podcasters and, you know, it, it was it was a fair comment because anyone can have their opinions about things, but it was just around how do people have time to do things like that? And you're a head teacher. I'm a deputy head teacher in a school. We're very busy people. But you know what? After a conversation with you tonight, rather than thinking, oh, well, what have I got to do for tomorrow? I feel uplifted. I feel inspired. Oh, I feel like I can do stuff. And it's benefiting me. Now, if I'm getting that, on the other end of a conversation with you, hopefully whoever's listening to this are getting that as well. So far yeah. from it being a, a, yeah. a difficult thing to do, it's helping. It's making it's things better. Oh, Phil, Phil, I wish you could see. I wish this was video and you could see my body language. I literally got goosebumps. 
this is what fascinates me. You know, we think, we, we convince ourselves that we don't have enough time. Whereas the reality is, right, Phil, I'm going to go on my screen time report. Bearing in mind, I've been at school. Where's screen time? Here we go. You know, so I reckon I don't have time to do very much today. I've been on my phone four hours today, Phil. Isn't that shocking? Isn't that shocking? You know, what could I have done in that four hours? You're right. I, I was tired earlier on. I'm, I'm going to, when we finish this, I'm going to wave, go, going to go away feeling like, you know, I don't know. I've got something from it. I feel energized. I'll actually be better at my job tomorrow because I feel like I did something a little bit different tonight. It's just fascinating how we convince that. That's the filter, the time filter. Oh, we've not got enough time to do that. Yeah, you have. Most of us, we can find time, can't we? We can. And then when I go back into school and say, you know, like, look how excited my daughter was to the fact that I was going to be speaking to you tonight. I go back into school tomorrow and say, oh, we've had a conversation about this. And, you know, we're working with broadly similar sort of demographics of, of kids that we're working with in school. And, you know, if we can take something into school tomorrow, it's got to help. And that's why we keep doing it, you know. There's no, we're not, no one's doing this for self-aggrandizement or money or anything else. We're doing this to try and help people. And hopefully, yeah. you know, that's what's coming through. And if it just makes, you know, if it just inspires one person, makes one person smile, then you know what? It might only be one person, but the world's one person better for it. Exactly. Okay. And on that note, let's just find out. So I'm obviously listeners can find out lots about you by a very simple Google search. But if they want to find out more and maybe get in touch with you, uh, then where can we find you on our socials, Dave? uh dave underscore mcpartland you can uh you can sell on twitter uh school flake fleet facebook page uh if you send us a message that comes straight through to me uh i'm, I'm as you know i'm hopelessly replying um i, I just can't keep but that that comes with having a three-year-old and a four-year-old phil um but yeah the yeah twitter it's, it, you know I've, I've got into twitter i was skeptical for a very very long time but Jazz persuaded me to give it a go. And and do you know what? I've connected with so many lovely people out there. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to find your tribe, isn't it? Definitely. And if, I mean, obviously mentioning that now, so if listeners are getting this on Neil Natter, if you also be able to speak, sorry, to listen to Dave uh, speak on Teacher Hug Radio as well. So we'll signpost to Jazz's show. Um, I'm not sure when that's coming up, but obviously that will be coming up fairly soon as well. So you can check that out on the, the teacherhug.co.uk as well. Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure tonight. I'm going away. I'm going to put Don't Stop Me Now on. I'm going to wheel myself around the lounge on whatever I can find and just reminisce about that day. It's been brilliant to speak to you. Thanks so much. No problem, mate. Thank you so much for having me. Nailers Natter, just talking to teachers. Talking to teachers about academic research and evidence-based practice with continuing professional development at PNA1977 on Twitter. Nailers Natter, just talking to teachers. 